a science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to a special edition of the Story Collider. In honor of the launch of the Women in Science issue of our magazine, we're reissuing this story by Aaron Barker. Erin is now the editor of the magazine and a producer of the Story Collider live shows. She originally told this in January 2011 at Pacific Standard in Brooklyn. So it's a really creepy feeling to look at a beaker full of blood and realize, I just peed that. Um, That was the experience I had a couple years ago when I was diagnosed with this autoimmune disorder that runs in my family called interstitial cystitis. Um, Interstitial cystitis, it affects this area, the the lady parts, I think is the scientific term. (laughs) Somebody here can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. Um, What it's like is basically if you've ever had a bladder infection, it's kind of like that, except the pain is like times a thousand and it never, ever goes away. Have you ever seen that uh, commercial that's like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now? You know that one? That's this gal. (laughs) Anyway, my mom has been telling me for pretty much my whole life that I was going to get this because she has it and my grandma has it. Um, but she also has always been telling my brother every time he gets the flu that he has Crohn's disease. (laughs) And when my little sister had an imaginary friend when she was three years old, she thought she was schizophrenic. So I I think you'll understand if I was a little bit skeptical for a while that it was actually going to happen. But about two years ago, I started showing some of the symptoms. So I went to the doctor, he ran some tests, And he sat me down in his office, and he lowered the boom on me. He told me I was going to have to go for a long time without alcohol, caffeine, blue jeans, and sex. That all four of those things might always be very painful for me. To which I, of course, responded, Oh, just those four things? (laughs) Just the four things that make life worth living. Cool. No problem. Uh, I cried all the way home from that appointment. I still feel a little bit embarrassed about the fact that I cried over losing my four greatest vices. Uh, But really, it felt like more than that to me. It felt like I was losing part of my identity, in a way. I mean, I was never exactly like, you know, party all the time girl or anything, but I wasn't like a prim, skirt-wearing, chamomile tea-sipping matron either. (laughs) You know, and that wasn't how I wanted to live my life. And also, on top of that, I was pretty sure my boyfriend, Justin, was not going to stick around, if I'm really honest. I mean, who really wants to sign up for years of super awkward sex? Not a lot of people. If you're one of them, get help. (laughs) So, yeah, when your vagina is like a disease-ridden, fucked-up science project regularly observed by five different medical professionals, it tends to kill the mood a little bit. It puts a damper on your sex life. 
add to that, I was also doing like an hour of physical therapy every day with like devices that look like high-tech vagina torture instruments. Is in like dirty talk for us sort of became, is this okay? Okay, wait, hold on a second. Let me move over here. Is that all right? What about now? <laughs> that was us. Um, Justin was always really understanding about it, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was letting him down. You know, he was a normal 25-year-old guy. He deserved to have a normal sex life. Uh, my gynecologist would always try to, like, give me encouraging advice after our appointments, and <laughs> but it really just ended up depressing me. There's nothing like having a 60-year-old Jewish guy tell you that heavy petting and oral sex play can be just as enjoyable as vaginal <laughs> penetration. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ledger. I will keep that in mind. Uh, as far as the other issues went, I was kind of in denial for a long time. Like, maybe it's all in my head. It wasn't in my head. I had a mixed drink at Justin's birthday party once, and I ended up literally writhing on the floor in pain, which is not something I'd ever done before, and I don't really recommend. It turns out the writhing is not much help. Um, after that, I kind of went through a phase where I guess I think Kubler-Ross would probably call it bargaining, where I would like kind of make these weird little deals with myself, like maybe if I half-ass this, I can still do what I want. Like I would take drinks of Coke and then I would spit it out into the sink, and I would like I kept wearing jeans to work, but I would like undo them under my desk <laughs> to make it less painful because like no one could tell as long as I was sitting down. <laughs> And this worked out awesome for a while. And then, of course, one day I forgot. And I ended up in the hallway face-to-face -face with my boss's boss with my pants hanging wide open. <laughs> Luckily, that guy was laid off before he had a chance to tell anyone this story. <laughs> Thank God for the economic collapse of the media, you guys. <laughs> Seriously. <sighs> but, um... I was definitely, I was turning into the weird girl at work. I'd been caught spitting coke out into the sink in the lunchroom, and I worked standing up at my desk all the time because it hurt too much to sit on a hard office chair for nine hours straight. And when we went out after work, I could never order a drink. There were, like, rumors circulating for a while that I was knocked up or something, but when a belly failed to materialize, they started to think maybe I was just, like, freakishly religious or something like that, or maybe I was an AA, I don't know. But um, it, there were times when I felt like I should explain, but I just I couldn't picture myself going through the whole explanation with my coworkers, like... You see, Carl, my bladder doesn't produce lining on its own anymore, and the inflammation irritates my vagina. It just doesn't seem like a professional conversation, you know? There's nothing in the employee handbook about how to deal with your lady troubles. It's really unfortunate. Uh, but at a certain point, it became clear that I needed to make a change. I decided for the first time I was going to wear a skirt to work. My mother was fucking ecstatic about this. She'd been trying to get me to wear dresses since I was a little kid. I used to, like, hide them, or I would intentionally slide into home during recess so I could tear holes in them. But here I was, surrendering myself to her fashion expertise. Unfortunately, my mom lives in this fantasy world where I have cleavage. 
So she was buying me all this, like, fucking Carrie Bradshaw shit that I can't pull off. So I go into work in, like, this slinky black number, probably the sexiest thing I've ever worn, which is ironic considering at the time I could not have sex. (laughs) It's probably false advertising or something. But I just felt hugely uncomfortable the whole day. Like, people were staring at me and wondering why I was wearing that. And it was just so miserable. And I left work at the end of the day feeling totally just bummed out. Like, I was doomed to be this lady I didn't want to be forever. And I'm walking down the street, and this guy walks by me, and he goes, Hey, where are you going? And I'm just like, I'm so pissed off that in this situation where I would normally just laugh or keep walking, I glare at him and I mutter, fuck you. And I go into the nearest store. I'm inside the store and I calm myself down. I'm like, Aaron, you're a lady now. You just got to get used to it. (laughs) So I leave the store and the fucking guy is out there waiting for me, right? So I'm like, what? Is this guy going to like follow me home now? But then he stops me and he says, Aaron, it's Dan from your class. Um, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to freak you out. He'd gotten a haircut and I didn't recognize him. I thought he said, hey, where are you going? But actually he just said, hey, where are you going? (laughs) At this point, it became clear that I was on a downward mental spiral. I went online and I joined a support group. And I met women who'd had terrible things happen to them because of IC. Women who'd lost their jobs, who'd had their boyfriends or husbands leave them because they weren't putting out. Women who'd had to have crazy, gross-sounding operations on their lady parts because they didn't respond to medication. And so we cried together. We bitched about how this if this was a man's disease, it would have been cured by now. We talk about that at least once a week, I think. (laughs) And I made some progress in physical therapy. Obviously, as you can see, I'm wearing jeans now. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Clearly making a lot of mental progress, too, because my friend Dan is here tonight, and I didn't accuse him of hitting on me or anything. (laughs) So... I was, I was making a lot of progress, but I started to realize there was one thing that I was never going to be able to change, and that is that no matter what, I see is always going to be a presence in any relationship that I ever have. And so I broke down, and I told my boyfriend, Justin, um, it's okay. I understand if you want out. Uh, you deserve a normal sex life, and also sometimes I think I'm going fucking crazy, And you don't deserve that either. And he looked at me incredulously, and he said, Aaron, I love you. We've been together four years. Do you really think I'm going to leave just because things aren't easy? And then for the first time all year, I realized how lucky I actually was. Thanks, you guys. That was Aaron Barker. Erin is the producer and editor of The Story Collider. She's also a Moth Grand Slam storytelling champion. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have our magazine, archives of the podcast, and upcoming events. And of course, go to magazine.storycollider.org for our Women in Science issue. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Erin Barker. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. 
Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, Raphael Benin, and Aaron Wolf. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Pacific Standard for hosting the show, and to my mom for choosing that show to be the first one she attended. Thanks for listening. 